Turtleneck. It's my sister Marissa. I just don't know if I want eggshell or ivory. <laughs> I mean, this is a very cheaty episode. Yes. So I felt it appropriate to start out with a little shout out to your husband. He would look amazing cheesy. in either an eggshell or an ivory turtleneck, for the record. <laughs> I mean, could you really tell the difference? Yes, in my heart, I could. In your heart. <laughs> All right, well. I gotta say, this episode, really liked it, but it was way more manageable than the Mm -hmm. past few episodes have been. (laughs) So if we sound a little less like our brains are exploding, I think that's a good thing, isn't it? I don't think you can sustain the pace of the first uh, two weeks worth of episodes. I don't think you can sustain that pace for a season, so I think it's necessary. Yeah, and there's still a lot to talk about because oh gosh, I mean, yes, I have a ton of questions. Even though most of this episode was just, you know, all five of them in a room, it was mostly exposition. Yeah, yeah. This is what I did not know this term. Oh, you had never heard this? It. No. Okay. Um, the bottle episode. You don't watch enough DVD commentary tracks on on box sets of television episodes. <laughs> Man, when's the last time I did that? That's a good... I ha- I had heard... Um, I knew about the premise, which is that, you know, you go all out in a few episodes and then to balance the budget, you basically have to do an episode where yeah, everyone is <laughs> just like stuck at a table talking to each other, but I didn't realize that it, that's what it was called. Well, if you kind of add up in your head and I don't have any concept of how much television costs to make but if you kind of add up in your head in an abstract way how much uh, money the first two weeks worth of episodes would have cost oh I'm sure I mean it's because of like how many set and wardrobe changes and how many weird props think about how many like a pig (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that and um, all the monks robes and that set with the uh, the the jazz, uh, was it the, the jazz three poem? Hour, the three yeah. hour spoken word jazz poem that he uh-huh. does, <laughs> and the golden retriever. Yeah, so this episode was as you introduced me to considerably cheaper. Yes, considerably cheaper. They were like, let's just pay Ted Danson and everybody else. But, uh, well, they did have to get that giant gold statue. Yes. So it was not strictly a bottle episode. I mean, we will get into it more in the um, in the synopsis. But it was, practically speaking, it was a bottle episode. It was a bottle episode. The only interruptions to the format were one flashback and one brief walk through the town center. That was yeah. it. Yeah. So let's get into our synopsis. Uh, Before we do just the episode structure, we're going to do our recap as we always do. Then we've got discussions and questions, and then we've got some articles that we thought were interesting. Yeah, no real spoiler space today. I didn't see, none of the articles that I read gave any hints to the future of the season. I'm kind of glad about that, though. 
I don't know if I'd want I to. like the cryptic hints. It's fun to ruminate on. Yeah. I don't really want any, like, for realsy spoilers. Yeah. So, do you want to tackle this recap, or should I? I will do my best. All right. Um, I'll jump in where I, where I can. Sure thing. So, uh, the episode picks up literally the moment that the previous episode left off, where... Uh, Eleanor and Michael are kind of facing off and Eleanor has the other humans on her side discussing uh, Michael's desire to team up with them. Eleanor does not want to trust Michael. Eleanor seems to have it in her head that the last thing she wants to do is team up with Michael, even though she was the one who proposed it in the first place. Michael says, you know, basically, Vicky uh, is taking over this incarnation of the bad place in 30 minutes. So it, get, it puts a clock on the episode. They did that last season, too. Yes, with the episode exactly. Where they all had to... With the, the judge of all yeah, supreme things. Yeah, they had to decide who. So that's... that's I liked that because given that the last episode was... We've literally jumped years ahead, we find out, basically. We've had, you know some iterations that have lasted for almost a year and we've had, we've gone through 800 some odd iterations of, of the bad place uh, or the good place rather. I liked that they slowed down so that we were in real time. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yes, I agree. So Michael says, Vicky's going to reboot this place in 30 minutes and it's my job to mind wipe you all the way that I've done, you know, 800 plus times in the past, but instead let's team up. You pretend to be mind wiped. You won't really be mind wiped. And uh, don't, and you know, don't quote unquote figure it out again. Basically just pretend to be sort of stuck in this place for all eternity. And you can kind of pursue your own interests when you're not being psychologically tortured by uh, Vicky or myself or whomever else. And Eleanor is not interested in this. So Eleanor calls a meeting just for the humans and they go into her creepy clown bedroom. Uh, Basically, the only person who is capable of discussing this in any real way is Chidi because Jason is being arguably even more of a dingus than usual. I loved him in this episode. (laughs) Is is that possible? Is his IQ decreasing with every reboot? Maybe. It is not good. (laughs) I love the moment where... He tells that whole story about the smuggling the turtles for that guy. Oh, in the bow tie, yeah. And then she just goes up to him and smacks the lollipop out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, Kristen Bell and physical comedy is like such a choice combination. Um, so Jason is, is, I mean, he's acting sort of childlike in his stupidity and naivete. Uh, and Tahani keep saying that, you know, she's supposed to be in the good place and she doesn't know what she's doing here with these people, so she's no good. Chidi is basically saying, I I think we have to take this deal because I don't see what choice we have. And then, you know, but Eleanor's fighting him on it, so he says, you know, we basically have to ask Michael every question we can think of. So, fine. They go back. They say, how can we trust you? He says, oh, you absolutely can't, and if I were in your shoes, I would be, you know, just as angry, but you just have no choice here. Um, what happens if we don't agree? Well, you know, I have to reboot you again and you'll figure it out again. And Vicky will tell Sean and Sean will shut the operation down. Michael gets his soul portal poured over hot diamonds. The four humans get shunted to the real bad place where they, you know, have to deal with the butthole spiders. 
Uh, yeah. I think he didn't he say being put into a volcano full of scorpions. Yes. <laughs> there was. Yeah, yeah they the, the most baroque physical tortures just keep sort of being mentioned. As, you know what I want to see? What? I want to see what I'm assuming is the whiteboard in the writer's room where they just have a list of <laughs> yes, these things. Of That's the what I want. Tortures. <laughs> Oh, Megan Amram, tweet out a picture of that, please. It's just like, it's just a whole bunch of them. And then like butthole spiders is circled. And yes. then like scorpion volcano has like stars next to it. And uh, you we know. are ingredients in a chowder of pain is circled. That's great. That's great. So many. Uh, can I also just, I know you're actually trying to get through this and I keep yes, interrupting. I <laughs> but uh, uh, Little Bit Chowder now is the name of Vicky's restaurant. And that makes yeah, which me is, very it's happy. It's in competition with um, pump, up, pump Up the Clam. And then Eleanor says, how did we ever think this was the good place? Because <laughs> there's like a lazy river of clam chowder. I don't want to think or talk about it anymore. Okay, great. <laughs> Keep going. Um, so they basically start grilling Michael. And this is why it's a very exposition heavy episode because they're just asking him questions and he's answering. I mean, we can't really say that he's answering honestly, right? He's answering to the best yeah. of our knowledge. It's yeah. honestly, but who the hell knows who the bad place knows um so how many different versions have there been well 802 this one's been going on for only a week so they don't really know each other and you know michael's like oh this is gonna make this harder longest one was 11 months which is a direct answer to something that we had asked in our last week's episode yeah and i was correct i had said that i didn't think that any of them had gone on significantly longer than the six month one that we saw and i would say that 11 months is not significantly longer than six months so I was right. I'm As giving myself. I'm giving so myself a trophy. Are. Yes, I'm giving myself a trophy. Just uh, the best person sash. Yes, take there we go. Vicky. Take, take. Oh, Vicky and I would have a karaoke off, and I would win. We're gonna get we'll there. Get there. Trust us. <laughs> um, Janet realizes that she has also been rebooted 802 times, and she says that since each reboot makes a Janet more um, sort of intuitive that she might be the most advanced Janet in the universe. And Michael kind of looks like he didn't really grasp this when he uh, stole a good place Janet. Do you agree with me on this? That he kind of stole a good place Janet thinking like, oh, this will be a fun way to, you know, make the illusion more um, convincing. But he didn't really grapple with what exactly that would mean. Yeah, Janet's her own thing. You know, I'm I'm very interested. That's one of my questions, not to jump ahead, but one of my questions for this episode is I'm really interested to see what happens with Janet this season. Yes. Given how advanced she is. Right. And the look on Michael's face is definitely something like I am playing with um, an element that I cannot control and I did not realize when I started playing with it that I was not going to be able to control it. I'm playing with volcano scorpions. (laughs) Um, Why do you look human? Well, because all of us in the Bad Place Bureau of Human Affairs, we all get human bodies so that we can appreciate how best to torture a human body, which is just bizarre. I I mean, it it really... it implies something about the corporeality of people in the afterlife that I'm not totally comfortable with from a metaphysical point of view, but whatever. Um, he says the medium place is real and it really annoys him that they kind of escape to there multiple times. And they decide not to really answer the question of like, why did you 
make a train that could get there? Or why did you include a train that could get there? Yeah, great question. Um, Chidi asks something. He doesn't exactly ask, why did you make a train that could get us there? But he kind of asks, why did you let us see anything that was true? So the good place, Janet, is sort of a true thing. And the medium place is a true thing. Why did you let us see anything that was true? And Ted Danson says, well, lies are always more convincing when they're close to the truth. Which, not to become the person who references the X-Files in every episode, but... This really reminds me of in the X-Files, whenever they would ask Cigarette Smoking Man, like, why not just kill Mulder? And he would say, killing Mulder would turn one man's quest into a crusade. Which, when I was like 13, I was like, yes, wise. And now I'm a lot older. And I'm like, that makes no sense. Nobody knows about this guy except his partner. He's just a, he's a low level lackey in a major, you know, uh, federal agency you could kill him, make it look like an accident, and it would have no effect whatsoever on anything. Nobody down here, but the FBI is most unwanted. Yes. I mean, and this, and it was the same sort of non-answer for this too. Like, well, lies are always more convincing when they're close to the truth. Like, I guess, maybe, is that even, uh? <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. I, I mean, I actually thought given, again, not to be super political here, but I think, given the political climate and the social climate in which this show is being created, I actually thought that was kind of an interesting thing to say because we are... Oh, yeah. If we're talking about social commentary, it's very trenchant. I'm talking about, like, narratively. I don't know if it actually works, but sure. Yeah. Talking about uh, Fox News. Right. Right. Deep sigh. Anyway. They're all in the the bad place. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. Oh, Roger Ailes? Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Eleanor is unconvinced. She says there's always another option. Um, she wants to just take off on her own. And Michael's like, yeah, no, it's all four of you or it's none of you. And she's like, well, you know, you haven't told me anything that is going to like convince me to work with you. And he says, well, how about this? I might be able to get you to the real good place. You know, maybe I can make sad puppy dog eyes and show up in the good place with the four of you. And say, like, look, I've changed and I've got these four poor souls, which, like, does not strike me as a plan. But (laughs) No, I was going to say, I mean, so the reveal, it's right before the commercial break. He says, I can get you to the real good place. And I was like, what? And then (laughs) when they come back from the commercial break and you see that his plan is also to escape with them, I was like, oh, you're not being... You're just being self-serving. Oh, right. No, no. There's no altruism. No, no, no. He's a a demon. He's a demon. (laughs) He's a demon. But I do wonder. Yeah. I mean, and Chidi says, well, how do we even know that they're going to let us stay in the good place? And he says, well, we don't. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a wing and a prayer, really. And Eleanor totally grocks that this is a wing and a prayer. And she calls another human meeting and she's basically like, you guys are wrong. I'm right. We can't do this. Chidi says... We have to, you know, I think this is where Chidi says, I spent my entire life trying to figure out how to live ethically, and obviously I failed. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Chidi's big issue is that when they keep getting rebooted, he keeps losing the ability to figure out what he did wrong in his life and improve himself. I mean, that's the kind of guy Chidi is, sort of like, he, that was what he made his life. Uh, and this is what he's going to make his afterlife. You know, he's not going to stop trying to learn and improve, which is why he's my husband. Yes. 
Um, so many reasons in this episode why he's your husband. It's I know. a very <laughs> shady episode towards the end. You know, he hates that they keep ge- being rebooted. The only way to stop being rebooted is to go along with this plan and to try to sort of study philosophy and ethics and morals further. So he wants to go along with this, basically. And Eleanor is just like, you guys are crazy. Meanwhile, Tahani tries to complain to management, a.k.a. Michael, about her placement in the bad place. And he says, you know, you've only been here a week. You've realized this. Basically, you've realized this in the past on your own terms, but I'm going to do it for you, which is that all of your um, philanthropy was completely self-serving. She fights against that. So he lets her remember how she died. Uh, This is a flashback. So this is one of only two escapes from the bottle of the bottle episode. She is being interviewed by a woman who we know from the Emma-approved YouTube series, which Ooh. is very strange to see her on real television, but good for her. Yeah. Um, she's being She interviews Tahani about her appearance on some magazine, but she really wants to talk about Camilla, and, you know, this is a big trigger for Tahani. Tahani sneaks into Camilla's uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, basically crashes it. Camilla is incredibly cruel to her. Yeah. And... Yeah, it was rough, man. And I then mean, in- <laughs> I listeners, I don't know if you could tell this, but we're sisters and we really get along. It's always so hard for me to see. Like, I could never imagine treating your sister like that. It's, yeah, especially since it seems like the worst thing that Tahani's done is just not be as good as her sister, you know? Yeah. This is not a situation of, like, I stole your husband or I killed your child or like any of the real horrible things that can happen in a life. It's just sort of like Camilla always gets the limelight and Tahani's always, you know, kind of jealous of that. And that seems to be the long and the short of it. And Camilla is incredibly unkind to her about it. It would be a lot more interesting to me if Camilla was sort of more sympathetic and Tahani just kind of couldn't stomach the pity. But in any case... There's a giant statue of Camilla, and uh, Tahani tries to take it down Saddam Hussein style. Wow, that's a deep and cut. It's <laughs> not really. Uh, of course, I mean, the statue of Saddam Hussein, not Saddam Hussein taking down statues. Um, and it falls on her and crushes her and kills her. So now we have all four of them dying incredibly violent, upsetting deaths. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> she kind of takes in this information, but she doesn't really process it. I love that she's like, oh no, I died in Cleveland. And Ted Danson's like, I don't think that's what you should take away from this story. (laughs) So she kind of works through it a bit. And I felt bad for Tahani in a way that I never thought that I would feel bad for Tahani. And then she says, you know, I agree with Chidi. Like, I want to, let's build the best Tahani we can build. Yeah. I want to try to be the person I was pretending to be. So we basically have to. I thought that um, was really that was a really nice moment that was, for her character. I that thought. was maybe the second best character beat that Tahani's ever had on this show. Yeah, second only to like when she and Eleanor had that like really nice friend day together, and they watched that hilarious fake BBC sitcom. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you know if if there if Tahani's going to improve herself, she has to go along with this plan. So she sides with Chidi. Eleanor like f- loses her mind. She goes into her bedroom by herself. She calls Janet, tells Janet to call a train to the medium place and fill it with cocaine. Then Chidi catches her leaving. She says, you know, you're not my friends. 
which is considering that she has seen the videotape of herself confessing love to Chidi is something else. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. So I watched it twice. uh, And the second time I was watching it, I had a flash of she's she's saying to him, I don't know you with the full knowledge in her head that. She knows him in the biblical sense. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah that was, oof, it was rough. Yeah. Um, and then she says, and I, I'm indebted to the your show notes on this, you yeah. know, she says, I don't owe you anything. And you rightfully point out in the show notes that the freaking note that she wrote the at the end of note. season, the forking note she wrote at the end of season one was on the title page of what we owe to each other. Yeah. Right, and that book has come up over and over again. Yeah. So that's pretty, you know, th- not it's not good. They're driving it home, and yeah. and Chidi, your husband, to husband. to his credit, says, "How long do you have to know someone before you do the right thing?" And she says, nine weeks minimum," which I thought was great. <laughs> but he basically tells her, you know, if you're going to go, then go. Yeah. yeah, and she tries to leave, and then she just something in her just forces her to turn back and she kind of corners Michael and says like so how many times did I ask she for help and he said no and Michael said you know zero times every time you found him every time you asked for help every time that pesky little nerd helped you and actually helped you actually made you a better person and it it helped you with your greatest flaw you know which was her selfishness yeah and then Eleanor's like, oh, fine. Okay, let's help Michael because that's what Chidi would do. And Chidi's like, yeah, I'm I'm right here. Why are you talking about me like I'm not standing right here? Yeah. And, and then uh, Eleanor tells Michael. So I should backtrack a little and say that uh, Michael compares humans to cockroaches and he's the exterminator. Which so, really riles up Eleanor. Yeah, she's and already I, she's already on a hair trigger then. Yeah, because I think... Eleanor has a moment where she says, once again, it's everybody against me, right? And I think that's, you know, she has spent her whole life on Earth feeling completely alone. Yes. And and some of it's by her own design, but, you know, her parent situation certainly wasn't. So I think that's probably why she feels so angry and defensive. Because I was actually kind of surprised at how angry she was getting. Um, but then when you step back and think about it, she has some knowledge of what's going on with some people, but she feels completely blindsided and to have everybody, you know, she feels like everybody's against her in that moment. And that's, I can understand why she would want to abscond with a bunch of cocaine back to the medium place. (laughs) Poor, poor Mindy. Yeah. She says, I'm not, she says, I'm not selfish. And then Janet pops up (laughs) your cocaine and your escape train is ready. (laughs) So, um, Eleanor tells Michael that they'll go along with him on one condition, which is that he has to join Team Cockroach. Meaning that, as they all take ethics lessons, Michael's going to be right there with them. And Michael at first sort of says, like, I'm a immortal being. This is not happening. And Eleanor's like, yeah, it is happening. So he's like, ugh, fine. We, re- we reboot. We are going back to the season one premise with the soulmates and the frozen yogurt shops. So now, Ted, this is the other, the one other breakout of the uh, bottle uh, concept for the episode, which is where Ted Danson is sort of walking Kristen Bell through the town square. 
and they are when people are when demons are in earshot they are pretending to be doing their first day tour but when they are out of earshot they are just sort of kibitzing about like oh you know this is the 800th time i've given you this tour like you know <laughs> i i loved the rapport between the two of them you know yeah. having having decided to work together and having sort of recognized each other as con artists um it felt very Ocean's Eleven to me, almost in a way. I like you know, that. Like, yeah, it's sort of like, you know, and I don't, you have to pick amongst like George Clooney, Brad Pitt, and Matt Damon, maybe. I don't know which 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 of those characters you would assign to those, to Ted Danson and uh, Kristen Bell. But it was sort of just like, yeah, you know, we're both con artists, but we're going up against the greater evil of um, the guy who owns a casino and is dating Julia Roberts. Oh, who's that guy? <laughs> He's a, you know, he's an evil British guy. No, he wasn't uh, British. I gotta look him up. Keep okay, going. Okay, I'll keep going. Um, he gives the, like, opening day speech. Andy Garcia. Thank you. <laughs> he gives the opening day speech. Uh, now Vicky is the top point getter, which is pretty amazing. And she does karaoke uh, to I Will Survive to the crowd, which is such an amazing... She is supposed to be a newly dead human and she's singing I will survive. It's just like so tone deaf and it's Your also li- it's also literally tone deaf. She can't sing. Maybe the actress in real life can really sing, but this character cannot sing. Yeah, I think she's supposed to be a terrible singer because they when they're back uh after this interlude, we go back to Eleanor's house and all of our main characters are sitting around and Ted Danson is giving them the 411 on like what's to come at the party so that they can play their roles accordingly. Right. And they are back in the bottle for the yeah, end of the episode. They're back in the bottle. And he says something like, uh, Vicky's practicing her opening number for the party tonight. And Eleanor says, I think uh, pretending to like her singing is going to be a big part of this. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Michael has worked it out with Vicky, so he'll be running surveillance on the humans, so they'll have time alone for their ethics classes, uh, which just, it seems like it's begging for them to be caught, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, okay. I kept thinking, at the end of the episode, I was totally braced for someone to, like, bust in and be like, ha ha! But (laughs) it didn't happen, so fingers crossed. You know, Eleanor's job tonight is to go to the party and insult people drunkenly, and, um thereby create the chaos sequence the next morning um they ask someone asks janet if she's okay with this is it jason yeah jason asks janet if she's okay with this and janet says well i'm not supposed to lie but my job is to make humans happy and the four of you are the only actual humans here so uh, i'm on board with this which answers a question that we had raised two or three episodes ago which is does janet sort of realize can she sense that there are some beings here who are humans and some beings who are not humans. And the answer is apparently no. She doesn't seem to have known up to this point that the only humans in the neighborhood were the, the team cockroach, as we're now calling them. <laughs> the quartet. Yeah. And Eleanor kind of makes a statement about how the bad place is about to be outsmarted. And, you know, team cockroach. And that is the end of the episode. Our synopses are getting longer. I think we're inserting more commentary into the yes. synopses. Yes. I can't help myself. Me either. How do we feel about this episode? I thought it was a necessary uh, table setting. 
essentially. Yeah. It yeah. was still very enjoyable, but it was not sort of the levels of brilliance of the first two weeks. Um, but, you know, there are narrative necessities that have to be explored and, and laid out, and that's what this was. Yeah, and it is necessary for us to get the stakes of this working and the or the stakes of this not working and also the reward if it does work you know might we see the good place which is my first question i think we are going to see the good place eventually but i you know whether they're going to at all care about some new people showing up from the bad place i think is a very open question yeah i agree I have been sort of thinking, uh, because your friend Ian, uh, shout out to Ian, who got you into The Good Place, Mm -hmm. um, did say that he thinks that we'll see The Good Place, but it'll just be sort of bad in a different way. Like, it won't be... He made a reference to some sci-fi show that I had never watched, so I really can't, like, comment on the analogy. But um, basically that, you know, this that that The Good Place is going to end up being some sort of option that on the surface seems better but is sort of just as corrupt underneath which i think is pretty astute if you think about it i mean imagine that you are a human who you are in the top 0.001 percent you do make it to the good place and everyone you ever loved is being tortured i kind of failed to see how you can actually be happy Mm. I, i don't I mean, again, some of this goes back to our, like, our first week conversation, our season one recap conversation. But, like, there there are a lot of um, problems with the way that this afterlife is set up. Yeah. And um, so I think that if they show up in the good place and, you know, maybe it is those amazing people and they're there and they have resigned themselves to the fact that everyone they ever loved is being tortured... I mean, do you want to hang out with those people for the rest of eternity? I'm not sure I do. I mean, I also don't want butthole spiders. Ugh. I am, as I said, I would just like Cincinnati, as yes. Eleanor has yes. requested in the past. But I do think, I, I like Ian's point, and, and I think uh, it, it actually reminds me, uh, this is one of my guilty pleasure shows, it reminds me of uh, Supernatural. And Oh boy. <laughs> versus like, don't don't get I was wondering how many episodes into this podcast we would get before you made a supernatural reference we made it for um, <laughs> <laughs> if there are any uh, supernatural fans out there get at me okay. um, so but one of the things that I find sort of interesting about that show and I haven't watched all of it but uh, I'm working on it is um, there's only 17 seasons there's a bajillion D seasons Um they just get hotter every season, those guys. Anyway, right. um, so, but one of the things that they discover is that heaven, there is a heaven, um, but it's not, it's it's not a good place to be. It is a, angels are essentially soldiers and bureaucrats who are really, they are fighting without a general, basically, because uh, God has... I was about to say, uh, what happened to God? Absconded. We don't know. Um, Is it like dogma? I, I don't know. 
The best Kevin Smith movie? The best one. Boop. Um, but it is, like, the angels are really just um, ruthless. They're not, they're not like, nice to you. They're not, it's not, heaven's not a nice place to be. There's a civil war, basically, going on in heaven. And I think that that's a really interesting thing. When, when I watched The Good Place, I, it reminded me of that in a way, because I think we're seeing and also in supernatural you do see the humans side with demons a lot in order to get what they need and it's sort of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend right well it's very like paradise lost like you know a lot of people are sympathetic to the devil in paradise lost um and it has been used as a motif over and over again that well you want to go for like the actual literary reference and i'm going with the I've... show that's been on the cw for half my life <laughs> i have not like read the entirety of paradise lost or anything but um it is really difficult for most human beings to imagine a happy afterlife where people are sort of ruthlessly divided into good and bad with no possible appeal and where the people that you love may well end up in the bad category and bad and the bad outcome is really bad. You know, that that's a lot of things to sort of pile on. I have certainly spoken to people who are genuinely religious, who do kind of believe some sort of version of this, but there are also people who generally believe that if you just kind of are a member of their religion, then you automatically get into heaven, which is not the universe that we're working with, right? Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I defy you to find a person who is totally okay with the notion of, you know, the top, as I said, 0.001% of people making it into heaven, everybody else going to hell. You know, even if you are a member of that elite, you know, being okay with that for all of eternity, sort of having having to sit with that notion for all of eternity that your husband, your wife, your children... I mean, God, as a mother of two, let me just say, you know, there's a reason that there is a a sort of a stereotype of, you know, mothers like lifting minivans off their children and throwing themselves in front of bears. Like there's no parent on this planet. There's no good parent on this planet who would want to go to heaven if it meant their child went to hell. Uh, this is getting very dark and I, and I, I kind of, I don't want to be a total bummer here and I kind of want to get off this topic, but like it, I do think that the way that Michael Schur has set this up, that even if they make it to the good place, there's no way they're going to be happy there. Yeah. I mean, one option is that when you're in the good place, uh, you know, you are mind wiped basically and you've forgotten your life. Right. I mean... If they can, if if Michael has the power to reboot and reboot and reboot these guys and wipe their memories of their time in the bad place, what's to say that they couldn't do the same thing for people entering the good place, but just for their lives on Earth? Can I give you my epileptic trees fan theory? Which I is like a have no idea what that means, but it's go a, ahead. It, it's a TV tropes term that is just sort of like it's wheels within wheels, man. But here is my epileptic. I don't know what tro- anything you're saying. <laughs> it's just a crazy theory. Okay. okay, let's just go with that. Sure. Here's my crazy theory. Let's let's. Do there it. is there is a a 
a god who may not even be the thing that we see as god in the good place but is some sort of overarching god of everything more than you know what what we might see in the good place mm-hmm. the let's let's just call it god for um for simplicity's sake and that god's ultimate plan is to uh you know unite the good and bad bad place and the media place and that god's tool is janet that maybe god is an ur janet and god has been seeding the good and bad bad place with janets in in hopes that one day there would be a janet uprising or that there would be a janet who became so advanced that that janet would help like tear down the borders tear down the walls it's all about Janet. That's my epileptic trees theory. I think you should tweet at Darcy Carden. <laughs> sure. She she one time liked one of my tweets, so she would definitely listen to my insane fan theory. <laughs> Who knows? I don't th- honestly I don't think that the cast If knows you met God church. and she was Janet, you would feel really good. I'd be fine. <laughs> be with like that. this is okay. I'm okay. I'd be cool with that. I'd be cool with that for sure. Okay, let's not Let's, let's get off the heavy stuff, please. Okay. But, I mean, side question to parents and children being split up or whatever, right? No. It's, what? No, it's side question re- related to our characters who are fictional. Fine. So it Fine. doesn't depress you. <laughs> um, we know that Tahani's parents are dead. That's right. Because they died in the first... Well, they died in a flashback. Uh, yes. Before the first season. Uh... Are they in the bad place? They for sure are in the bad because place. Because they, no they questions were asked. really forking bad parents. Yes, they were terrible. They are for sure in the bad place. Yeah. So Next question. Are, <laughs> but I, what I mean is, like, are we going to run into them? Oh, that's interesting. I mean, Kristen Bell also makes a reference to her parents being in hell and torturing each other. It would work. Um, yeah, that's what she says. Yeah. Um, so are we going to I think it them? would be deeply strange if we ever actually saw the real bad place in action because this is a comedy you know i i don't know that we can ever really go to the real bad place where the humans are there who you know it's not just the humans who have been there for a couple years like the parents of our main characters i mean do you really want to see a Roman peasant who's been flayed with you know a flaming cat of nine tails for the last two thousand years you know, like I think you're taking this like way too seriously, my dude. <laughs> I get, ugh, I don't know. You're just you're lawful good. You can't you can't deal with I the am, and I and spiders. I I have not believed in an afterlife basically as an adult ever, and part of the reason I don't is because these sort of scenarios are sort of untenable for me from like a moral justice of the universe standpoint. Yeah. Um, I want to get into a whole This American Life episode that they did about a preacher who started preaching that everybody goes to heaven, but let's let's leave that. Um, we, can, we can tweet it. Tweet it out. <laughs> yeah, I, sure. Um, what the hell was the question? Oh, are we going to see Tahani's oh, parents? I, I, like I said, I cannot imagine that we actually go to the bad place to see people actually being tortured. Maybe at some point... They're going to be, like, in a bad place conference room. Like, they get pulled out of their regularly scheduled torture or they, to have, like, a tete-a-tete. Yeah. 
or they get brought to the quote unquote good place as a as a torture for Tahani. Oof, oof. Yeah. Well, sure. Mm. Well, I mean, so next question from my end is what do you predictions for what Vicky's uh bad place is gonna look like other than it seems like she's not full of originality yeah, right i mean she's 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 really me. copying the script from michael which so it seems like it's less about you know i anything you can do i can do better and more about like we have these individual demands and i am going to accede to them in a way that michael never would yeah, it did surprise me, though, that it was so unoriginal. I guess, though, that speaks to Vicky's sort of selfishness that the thing that she cares about most is putting herself in the spotlight. Yes. I I admit to being surprised by uh, how the whole thing was meant to kind of go along exactly as it had been going along. But um, maybe Vicky's, uh, maybe Vicky's actually being kind of smart here. Because if Sean comes to check on them, and this is only supposed to be the second attempt... Yeah, that's probably true. Then it's... And Michael told Sean on the video phone that they had a chaos sequence, you know, the morning after Eleanor got drunk and flashed everybody. Yeah. So it may be for the... Maybe that Vicky is is looking a few moves ahead and is trying to make her version jibe with what Sean expects. Yeah. I buy that. I buy that. So what's this method of transportation that Michael was talking about to get to the good place? Because it didn't sound like the train. No, it doesn't sound like the train. Yeah, it's going to be some sort of like Super Mario World airship or something. (laughs) Yeah, I It's got to be something crazy, right? Yeah, or is it... Maybe it's a pneumatic tube. Is it a a pneumatic tube? Is it, you know, Wizard of Oz style, click your heels twice? It's a space shuttle. Yeah, I mean, or is it Janet? Can Janet get them back (sighs) to the good place? She is a good place, Janet. She is a good place, Janet. You would think that she would have the ability, but it seems like... Janet's once created are are completely autonomous and like have no real link back to Good Place HQ. Yeah, I mean, he says he stole a Good Place Janet. How did that not raise any alarms anywhere? If she is a piece of computer code, essentially, then he probably just copied her. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I keep thinking she's like, there's like a storage room full of Janets, but probably That would not. be so incredibly creepy, like Matrix style creepy. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get to see your army of Janets at some point. <laughs> I mean, that would be the most humane thing, honestly. It's like Janet, who just wants the best for all of humanity to like get control of everything. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever get to see Janet have some real emotions? Yes. If she's the most complex Janet in the universe, then I think then we're going to start seeing Janet behavior that is um, outside of the bounds of what we would normally think an AI is going to be able to do. Do you think she's going to fall for Jason again? They did have a high five at the end of this episode. I don't know. Um, if she is the most advanced Janet in the universe, that would almost be even sadder now. <laughs> You're so... Out on Jason, you're like so down on him all the time. Well, I, I'm not. It's not that I'm in this particular instance. It's it's not that I am so anti-Jason. It's more that the notion of what may be the smartest sort of quasi-female entity in the entirety of time and space hooking up with you know a ding dong, a complete ding dong, Jacksonville ding dong. 
It's a little depressing. Don't don't pretend like it's not. You're right. You're right. They do share some level of naivety. I do. I did love uh, the part where, um, in order to distract Jason, uh, Janet pulls out a sparkler. Oh, and then Jason's just like gasp of um, complete and utter joy was like such a Very perfect. Very cute. This yeah. is, by the way, everything I'm saying about Jason. Nothing against the actor; he's doing a great job. Yeah, That's, I don't. He's doing it's not a... like I think. I don't know. It's uh, Manny Jacinto, right? Yeah. Like nothing against that guy; he's doing a great job. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing a great job of playing a real dub dub. <laughs> Do you have any questions? I I guess you know the real question to me is like how long can they keep this up? You know, bad. This is that was supposed to be the um the theme question of the second season, which we thought at the time, how long can they keep this up? Remember you, you talked about that being as like the advertisement on the city buses in New York. Yeah. And we thought at the time that how long can they keep this up meant how long can Michael keep pretending that this is the good place when this is actually the bad place. Yeah. But in retrospect, it may be how long can these four humans and Michael convince everybody else that they are unaware of what's going on and how long can Michael be attending these ethics lessons and how long can they operate as a team without somebody finding out? Because this is incredibly fragile. I mean, the notion that Vicky trusts Michael far enough to throw him is ludicrous. Yeah. That's one of the things that I'm having trouble with is the construct here that, Michael still has unfettered access to these human beings. That he has any power whatsoever. Yeah, because Vicky was the one who went into his office and said, like, you're you're messing this up. And, you know, I have this folder of all these things that you've done wrong. And then for her, for her to turn around and say, oh, sure, you can be responsible for wrangling the four people that are going to keep this torture chamber intact seems very generous of her but also really stupid of her it's either stupid or it's like crazy as a fox right it's either really dumb and naive and you know she's only in this for glory it's she's only in this you know so she has like a platform for her karaoke um (laughs) and so she doesn't she's not even thinking about the fact that michael is being let loose when he is obviously upset about losing status or She's setting him up, which I think is probably the more likely explanation, given that she seems to be very canny. All she has to do, right? Like, we've seen tape recorders in this universe. We've seen video cameras in this universe. All she has to do is bug Eleanor's house uh, and get evidence of Michael colluding with the humans and then i mean michael is for sure going to be quote unquote retired the only thing about that is i think of all of the demons vicky is one who does not want to go back to her old day job so i don't know what her old day job was but the other demons all seem to express kind of like a nostalgia for the times when they were uh performing physical torture twisting people in half yeah for example yeah um Vicky seems to have taken to this fake good place situation like a duck to water. So I don't think that she wants to go back. I think she wants to keep these balls up in the air. 
So that does sort of raise the question of like, well, if she did bug Eleanor's house and she provided Sean with evidence that Michael's been colluding with the humans, like Sean would obviously put a stop to the whole thing. And then like Vicky would be out of this job. And I don't think that's what she wants. That's a great insight because yeah, I I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of she also may kind of end up having split loyalties in some way. Right. I think she just wants to have this stage for her to perform upon. And she doesn't really care, you know, about any of the rest of it. I think Vicky's, first of all, Vicky's only loyalty is to Vicky. Okay. She has no loyal. She certainly has no loyalty to Michael. She has no loyalty to Sean. I don't think she has any loyalty to the, the concept of being a torturer or a bad place um, loyalist or anything like that. I think she's looking out for number one. She doesn't really care about the rest. So the fact, the notion that she would blow all this up by outing Michael is maybe not so straightforward. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Uh, unless she is, you know, tries to use it as a way to parlay some kind of better gig for herself later on i think i have to say i love the fact that she is such a an interesting character and almost one of the main characters now uh because i liked her in the first season when she was actually really sweet and supposed to be the quote real eleanor and uh i was sort of worried that in the second season we we wouldn't see her so much uh because that construct had been blown up but i like that she is such a big part of the tangled web that's being woven a lot of deception going on on this show that's for sure yeah do we want to talk about how great cheaty is (laughs) oh cheaty oh cheaty every episode raises the question of like why he is in the bad place and like i get it the mechanics of this universe put him in the bad place but like damn yo (laughs) it hurts it It hurts me yeah i think everybody's on board with the fact that you know of all of them he's the the closest to the ideal that we have here yeah, so can I just transition real quick into, and this will sort of be like a the liminal space between our discussion and the article roundup. Yeah, yeah. So there is an article on Vulture where they interview Darcy Carden. For some reason, Darcy Carden seems to be like the one that they are sticking out for like a press junket. Does that... I don't know why that is. I mean, either... No, I have no explanation. Like... I am following, like, all of the places where I would be seeing Good Place, um, like, media accounts. And for whatever reason, it's just, like, interview after interview with Darcy Carton. And I love the woman. And I'm happy to read them. But I'm just like, is no one else being interviewed here? Like, I saw one video clip with uh, Jamila Jamil. Mm -hmm. I have seen nothing from Manny Jacinto. I'm guessing Kristen Bell and Ted Danson are just kind of on the, like, too famous end of this stuff to have these kind of... Yeah, they're uh, a little busy. ...one-on-one interviews. And uh, I've seen, like, pretty much nothing from William Jackson Harper. So um, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, Darcy Carton is, like, the person who is getting all of these uh, one-on-one, like, long-form interviews. So Vulture did one with her. And, like, the one... So it was a great interview. 
but the, one of the things I loved about it was that um, they talked about how she had the twist revealed to her along with most of her co-stars. So Kristen Bell and Ted Danson knew from the jump and then they told the rest of their co-workers um, all at the same time and Kristen Bell videotaped it because she's an evil genius like that. And uh, Darcy Carden talks about how when she found out, you know, she's sort of like, oh, what a great twist. And then she instantly sort of had this like overwhelming wave of sorrow being like but cheaty like cheaty doesn't deserve this (laughs) and i was like you and me darcy we're on the same page lady riding off into the sunset but they also showed how they how there was a video in that article that showed how she kept um hitting the sand face first every time michael rebooted her essentially she was wearing a vest and uh like the stunt coordinators were holding onto ropes behind her so every time she had to like fall on her knees and then face plant into the sand, they were essentially lowering her down with those ropes. And she said, you know, the worst thing that happened was that she kind of got like a little bit of sand burn on her face. <laughs> <laughs> that has got to be, I think she tweeted out a picture or the good place tweeted out a picture of her in between takes, just lying on the sand, like posing. Oh yes. <laughs> I yes. That I was very that. cute. Um, Do you want to tackle this thing about Parks and Rec and yes. the Good Place being in the same telematic universe? Oh my goodness, I'm so excited about this. Yeah, so of the two of us, I am the Parks and Rec uh, aficionado only because you haven't watched obsessive. it yet. Obsessive, I would say obsessive. You haven't watched it yet. So somebody who is not me caught that uh, in the flashback where we see uh, Eleanor buying the skinny girl margarita mix that ends up in you know indirectly causing her death she's at the checkout counter and she's uh looking at a magazine and the back page of the magazine the back cover of the magazine has uh a perfume by dennis feinstein on it and if those of you who watched parks and recreation you will know dennis feinstein from parks and rec uh played by i think one of our favorite podcasters and funny people jason manzoukas oh such a treasure a national treasure a a national treasure jason manzoukas dennis feinstein is pawnee indiana's local scumbag uh fragrance mogul (laughs) and uh he shows up every once in a while just to be like literally a horrible person and Jason Manzoukas just choose the scenery. I would say it's kind of typecasting, but in reality, Jason Manzoukas is like this super sensitive Thoughtful. guy. Yeah. Yeah. He has this character that he plays in a lot of his, in a lot of media. And in fact, on this podcast and where he's supposed to be himself, but he's actually not, you know, I've heard him interviewed and he talks about how he like, he and a, a longtime partner of his like listen to Joni Mitchell every night before bed. Like he's very he's a soft boy, but that's not the <laughs> that's not the persona he takes on in public. Yeah. Um, so so Jason Manzukis, uh, Dennis Feinstein shows up in basically Eleanor Shellstrop's Arizona in our time. Basically, it's like present day Arizona, and so the eagle-eyed people who caught this Easter egg were like, oh my goodness, Eleanor Shellstrop existed in the same universe as Ron Swanson and uh, Tom Haverford and Leslie Knope and Ben Wyatt and all these people, right? So 
That makes me very happy, but it also raises the question of Ben Wyatt, who is played by um, <laughs> Adam Scott, who is in Parks and Recreation, like the man that I aspire to be my boyfriend, <laughs> right? <laughs> in your in your good moments. In my yeah. good moments. I don't deserve him, but he's amazing. Um, and in this series, in The Good Place, he is playing... A demon. So I think we could hand wave this away by saying, you know, Michael says specifically in this episode that all demons are assigned human bodies. Yes. And there's no indication that they are assigned unique human bodies. It could just be like, oh, we surveyed the planet and we picked out random bodies and, you know, we just copied them. So could be a total, totally explainable thing in the universe of this show. Ben Wyatt is in the good place for sure, I think. He's not dead yet. That's true. He will... Well, yeah, he will be in the good place. Whatever the good place <laughs> looks like once we're, we're done with whatever this is. But I will say, Dennis Feinstein would make an excellent bad place employee. Because he is, as Jason Manzukis would say, literally horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but it does sort of... It's an interesting thing that this is apparently like the Michael Shore telematic universe. He's as just... We sort of alluded to. Weaving a giant web and I love it. I want more Parks and Rec. But does that affect what we wanted a couple episodes ago, which was for... For Amy Poehler to be God? Amy Poehler to be God. Leslie, no. No, it doesn't. No. Because God looked at Earth and saw Leslie Nope and was like, yeah, that's who I aspire to be. <laughs> Hashtag Amy Poehler is God. Yes. We're I think my hashtag was Amy Poehler for God, but whatever. We're doing either one. We're doing it. We're doing it. Um, I also wanted to, since we're sort of in the article roundup, I also wanted to uh, point out an article from the AV Club, which is a complete list of escape plans from the previous week's episode. Uh, if you'll remember from our last episode, we talked about how uh, Chidi and Eleanor go to the medium place and uh, Mindy says, just to save you time, I have written down all of the escape plans that you have come up with uh, every time you've been here. And again, eagle eyes at all these media outlets. Uh, somebody at the AV Club. They get screeners and they can go out. They can look on their 4K HD TV and like, you know, you know, Pause. Enhance. You know, you <laughs> well, work for the AV club. You've got a serious AV setup, you know, and you yeah. can basically be like um, CSIing your own screeners. <laughs> so, yes, they are doing some serious CSI work and they listed out all of the different uh, escape plans that, you know, some of them were mentioned out loud. And those were sort of like the least interesting ones, actually, because the rest of yeah. them... Uh, one of them was, quote, indecent proposal him, which I thought was... Which they kind of do mention. Yeah. Shawshank our way out, which... Which I guess means dig their way dig out. Dig out is... with a spoon. Um, but <laughs> Morgan Freeman and Shawshank Redemption says, get, be get busy living or get busy dying. They're already dead. So, you know, I don't know how much that... Uh, I, they do have an eternity to get out, but... Uh, uh, I like to try to stuff Michael back into his magic lamp. And the AV club says, probably another Jason idea. I would have <laughs> to agree with that. Uh, find Ray Donovan, but an angel. <laughs> and then the last one, which is the one that I actually wanted to talk about, is find yeah. Doug Forsett. 
who, if you'll remember... No, this is actually intriguing. I am so in on this, and I want this to happen 100%. Um, if you'll remember, in the pilot episode... Where... Oh, you can see his portrait still in Michael's yeah. office. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's the Canadian stoner who accidentally got 98% of the good place right, just yes. off the top of his head. Yes. I really, really want them to find him. I don't know how... I don't know if he's still alive. I don't know. He could be dead. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If he, so if he's dead, where is he? I don't think you get points just for guessing the structure. No, but that's, but I'm not saying you do or don't. I'm just asking like, he got it right. So where would he be in this uh, universe? I'm very interested. I really, I want him to come into play somehow i think that would be really really uh self-referential in a great way i just want to i want us to wrap up but i want to kind of raise one thing before we go sure which is that when eleanor visits mindy st Clair for the first time it is the first human being that mindy st Clair has seen since she's died which means that nobody from the good place has ever gone looking for the medium place or has ever visited the medium place or has ever maybe even left their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I am very curious as to why nobody in the thousands or millions of people who've ever been sent to the good place has ever gone looking outside their own neighborhood or if it's even possible to get there. Maybe, maybe it's not possible to get there, but then why is it possible to get there from the bad place? So many unanswered questions. That's a great question. Maybe it has to do with this method of transportation that he sort of dangled. Yeah, quite possibly. It's quite possible that the good place is like completely separated from both the medium and the bad place. The medium and the bad place seem to share a plane of existence that maybe the good place doesn't. And maybe it used to and now they don't. And Or maybe the only things that share a plane of existence are the medium place and like, you know, Michael's experiment. Michael's let's lightly emotionally torture you for all eternity. Yes version of the bad place that's a great question because i can imagine someone in the good place being like i just want to visit my relatives you know i just want to visit them and ending up in the medium place but that seems to have never happened i don't know maybe the good place is just like diving into a swimming pool of gold every day um being horribly maimed and injured by one of the heaviest elements on the planet (sighs) you're yeah you're too much of a realist for this <laughs> exercise. Every day's a hurricane here in Duckburg. <laughs> you would totally beat Vicky at a sing-off. I would. Yes. <laughs> Let's wrap it up, man. I, I think that's a good place to wrap up. So until next time, don't dive into a pool full of gold. All right, ding-dongs. We'll see you next time. <laughs>